Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini, three part spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, don 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 what's woo, don 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 and what gets flushed down the loo in today's corrupt, abrupt, how dare you interrupt, reality scripted, sanity restricted, television addicted, strange little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are rarely successful. (laughs) I'll admit to that. But we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, my darlings, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Yes, we do. In fact, let me take a sip of today's carefully crafted cocktail just to break the ice and, you know, get me in the mood for some righteous primal pontification. Hmm. Ooh, that's not bad, really. Mm. Ooh, I could I could grow fond of that one. Mm. All right, back to the show. If this is your first encounter with us, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, we are not politically correct because we do not wish to erode our intellect. We martini heads understand the dangers of deep state ideology. We know who runs the world. We know how and we know why. And we are committed to exposing and eradicating those who treat this planet as their private corporation, plundering Mother Earth's resources for their pleasure and exploiting we the people as their personal workforce. Darlings, if you believe the government is benevolent and works diligently for your betterment, you are delusional and this show is not the show for you and dare I say, If you continue listening in, you stand the chance of being royally triggered. And while this won't bother me in the slightest, it may make you uncomfortable. So be warned, this is a show for people who seek solutions, not for people who want a false sense of comfort. We martini heads, we value, well, we value martinis greatly, but we also value common sense common decency and common courtesy and above all soul sovereignty we are autonomous not automatons so to all my returning martini heads welcome back you crazy sassy spirit-centered free thinkers by daring to think outside the box you expand consciousness and you make our world a better place huzzah for you and huzzah for the rest of us On today's show, we have quack, questions, answers, and comments, tarot, a go, go, some poetry, and if we have time, some weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history, and of course, my favorite part of the show, the cocktail of the day. But before we get stuck into the juicy, meaty bits, let me take a moment to thank the people who make intergalactic distribution of this show possible mystical wares in mount vernon washington 
Mystical Wares, Mount Vernon, Washington, dedicated to exploring both the known and the unknown, then helping provide the products and tools to expand your reach. Mystical Wares has a large and varied inventory and is the perfect spot for people who value illumination over indoctrination and for people who know the difference between propaganda and ashwagandha. If you are experiencing spiritual stasis, head to Mystical Wares, Mount Vernon's metaphysical oasis. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give Mystical Wares a standing ovation. And jolly nice people they are too. And if you order online from mysticalwares.com, they really package things very well. Never had anything broken from them. Lovely wrapping job they do. All right, let's get on with the show. What shall I pontificate on today, I wonder? Well, let me start by saying insane thoughts have created an insane world. Extremism, another sign of insanity, has become quite fashionable of late, hasn't it? Too much screaming, not enough dreaming. Too much rancor and certainly not enough candor. So, my darlings, you know, given the mess we're in, can we trace all these problems to one common source? I think we can. Let's talk about the ego, the false alter ego, the false self, that delusional voice in our head that tries so hard to disconnect us from common sense and from finding common ground. So, what is it exactly, this ego? Because it goes by many names. Thousands of books have been written about it. Millions of hours have been spent contemplating it. And yet, here we are, waist deep in a putrid mix of our collective unprocessed emotions, wallowing in mediocrity, blaming everyone except ourselves for the sorry state of the world. So is the ego our identity? I mean, don't we need some sort of identity? You know, a name, a certain physical appearance, a, a chosen profession or a life path or some sort of passion. We need ways to individualize the soul's experience on physical realms. That part of the ego identity, you know, it's useful and it's not detrimental. Where we get into trouble with all things ego is believing that the individualized personality is the only part of us that is real. It is actually the smallest part of our existence. A physical incarnation is the smallest part of our totality. A character we've chosen to develop in the game of life. I like to call it World of Earthcraft. If we have no sense of our greatness and think only in human terms, our world becomes very small and we become small minded. It's one short step from small minded to petty minded and petty mindedness makes us selfish, spiteful, obsessed with trivial matters and constantly perceiving danger where there is none. Our lives are fueled by fear, not by common sense. That's the dangerous part of the ego, the part we all talk about, the part we need to identify and dissolve. And that shouldn't be a problem because the ego is a delusion within an illusion. But we have a very bad habit on this realm of polishing our pain of worshipping it and developing a truly disturbing attachment to suffering. Our spirit, our soul, our cosmic soul, if you will, is eternal and it will have multiple incarnations on multiple realms and play multiple characters, all different because we are space adventurers created to boldly go where no soul has gone before and make a life there. So the soul is the eternal part. The soul is our true nature, cosmic, divine, 
pure potential, having multiple experiences all over the universe. And no matter how many times a soul incarnates, it will always be pure, eternal, cosmic potential, waiting to have an incarnation, waiting to have an experience. So the personality is not the soul per se. It is the character the soul is playing. The personality is the identity for the soul's current incarnation. Now, if we allow the spirit, the soul, to guide the personality, it will develop into the authentic self. When the authentic self reaches a suitable level of refinement, it meets the soul. And that's when the spirit, our soul, our true nature, inhabits the human. It merges with the human and, ego transcended, lives life from a cosmic vantage point. Clearly, we have yet to understand this, so let's dig a little deeper and see if we can do better. Now, before we dig, let's recap. Let's remember that our true nature is pure energy with no human characteristics. It observes. It is objective. It operates from a high vantage point. When it selects a bloodline, a body for human incarnation, that body inevitably has ancestral coding, miles of DNA RNA coding, and the soul has to experience its humanity through the filter of that coded ancestral information. In addition to which, it has access to information on previous incarnations not related to that bloodline, and if that wasn't enough, it has to negotiate whatever programming that realm is subject to. So, darlings, it's really busy in here, isn't it? No one is expected to pop out of their mother's girly bits knowing all this. But once we do learn how it all works, let's not waste any more time getting on the right track. How do we identify this dysfunctional part of the ego within us? Well, for me right now, it starts with having a little sip of my drinky poo. Mm, very smooth. <clears throat> okay identifying the dysfunctional part of the ego. Well, darlings, that's actually quite easy. Be aware of your triggers, your emotional triggers, because those are ego landmines. They're floating around our energy anatomy, waiting for someone to step on them. And if we're triggered, we're out of alignment. But here's the thing, the soul cannot be triggered. The soul cannot be offended. It doesn't take things personally. You can't insult a soul any more than you can insult God. Neither of them are human. So if you're insulted, if you're offended, if you're lashing out at someone, well, you're reacting from a fear-fueled fear place. I should amend that sentence for the next podcast. You are reacting from a fear-fueled place. Um, you know, that's the ego. Now, it would be easy to just say, hey, if you really want to understand the ego, the false self, you're a god in a bod, so start acting like it. End of story. And that is the essence of how to play the game of life. But thanks to years of programming, it's not that easy. But then again, it doesn't have to be a dreadful struggle. It just takes a genuine desire to be a better version of yourself and to work on it each day every day. Learning to observe our own behavior without judgment, without justifying our actions, just observation. That is the first step to identifying and dissolving the ego, the false self. We should learn that we have control over very little in this world, but the things we can control define the world we create. So what can we control? We can control our thoughts and we can control our reactions. That's about it. But if we can learn to focus on those two things and not waste energy on things outside our control, 
we would be enjoying utopia right now instead of grinding against the current dystopia. Perception, my darlings, it's all perception and perception is unique to the individual. Perception is distorted and outcome driven if we rely only on our human vision. If we let the spirit inhabit the human, we have clear vision, we have spirit vision. It's not outcome driven. And if we're willing to let all that is guide us to our highest good, our highest good is exactly where we're going to end up. Our human race, if we would only explore the glory of what we truly are, if we would only embody the phrase to thine own self be true, if only we understood that we all come from the same source energy, we would treat ourselves and consequently each other differently. The ego, the false self, now it's clever because it knows it is a delusion within an illusion. So it wants to make itself feel special and it hopes that we will adopt and honor its specialness and pay more attention to it than our authentic selves. That part of the ego, it works very hard to keep us on edge, disoriented, unsettled, distrustful. It wants us to feel threatened, undervalued, unappreciated, and ultimately, it wants us to adopt a victim mentality, to sit and to seethe, to become a feeding ground for dark infestation. And that, my darlings, is a very dangerous place to be. It's a bit like wallowing in your own sewage without any production. So let's not go there. Let's not let a delusion within an illusion have any power over us. After all, for those on a spiritual path, we have to understand by now that specialness has no place in a universe created from unconditional love. And another way of saying unconditional love is absolute equality. And it really is true when they say we operate from love or fear, love or fear. There is no in-between. So what does that mean? Well, in my world, it means we operate from alignment or disorientation. Love is alignment with all that is cosmic and godly and whole and wholesome and brilliant or disorientation, which means you're terrified and you are not on track and you make bad decisions. So love or fear means alignment or disorientation. In alignment with all that is, we have mastery over all creation. And when we're disoriented, well, obviously, we can't tell a pancake from a pandemic, can we? So for a moment, let's go back to observing our behavior without justifying it. Here's a little exercise that we can all benefit from. For the next seven days, let's observe our triggers and our reactions. Did we respond from fear or from alignment? And when you do this exercise, resist the temptation to justify your triggers, justify your reactions, because when you do that, the ego creeps back in. You know, you might say, for example, oh, you know, I did that and it wasn't a good thing to do, but he really pissed me off. And you're already in the loop of self-justification. Your soul is observing and going, what an interesting thing is happening here today with this human, whereas the human has its head up its ass. So be objective. We should let our higher selves observe that human experience and take notes. And we will be amazed in that seven days at the level of fear within us, horrified even. But that's okay, you see, because once we learn to observe the ego, the false self, without justification, we are halfway to completely dissolving it. My advice, pick up a few books on the philosophy of Stoicism. 
It examines and explains the ego very well. I also advise reading A Course in Miracles. Both of those are excellent ego busters. And the goal is the same for both, but the approach is very different. I incorporate Stoic philosophy into my Course in Miracles teachings, and I find it works very, very well. The major challenge for humans as they set out to define and dissolve this detrimental part of the ego is self-honesty. We seem to have acquired a great deal of self-loathing along the way, all of which is unnecessary. And with diligence and focus, it's easily overcome. Let us not be afraid to examine our past. Look, we're all messed up people. <laughs> We've all messed up. If we look back, we go, oh my God, how am I still alive? How could I possibly have done that? How could I possibly have said that? We have all reacted inappropriately. We have all done things we wish we had not done, but guess what? We did it. We said it, or we were afraid to do it or afraid to say it. And darlings, it's all in the past. And had we known better, we would have done better. So just remember, if you're offended, it's the ego, it's not you. Because the true nature is divine and cosmic and cannot be offended. If we find ourselves cowering in fear, it's not us, it's the ego. Our true nature is designed to have a heightened state of awareness to take action pertinent to its survival, but it doesn't act out of fear. Fear is something that was coded in to the human race much later. So if you insult someone, you lash out against someone, it's the ego, it's not you. Our authentic selves will not perceive an insult. Our authentic selves will not dole out insults. And if we feel less than, if we are frozen by chronic anxiety, racked with guilt, it's our ego, it's not us. The authentic self seeks to process emotions in a practical, functional manner. It does not see any value in carrying baggage around for years, slowing it down, hands full and unable to grasp new opportunities, unable to set out on new adventures because it hasn't unpacked the crap from its past yet. So the ego wants us to be stuck in the past, to make decisions based on past experiences. And while I'm the first to acknowledge that archived knowledge is useful, we need to make decisions based on our current state of awareness not the events of the past. And here, my darlings, endeth the lesson for today. So the choice is ours. We can choose to indulge in a little self-observation. And it feels so good to move from tragic to magic. Hmm. All right, well, Pontification over. My darlings, let's move on. Let's get on with the show. What is it time for now? It is time for quack questions, answers and comments. Okay, all you lovely people out there, if you would like to share the contents of your remarkable minds on this cosmically acclaimed podcast, send your emails to me, Arnie at ArnieAvedician.com or by snail mail to my P.O. Box, which is Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. And don't forget to let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I shall refer to you as omit personal details. Okay, let's shake up this fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops up. Shaky, 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 hoo-hee. All right, our first missive is from Almara, who lives in Bahia Blanca in Argentina. Well, hello there in Argentina, my darling. And Almara asks, dear mad Ani, I have a problem with my family. Oh, take a number, sweetheart. <laughs> All right, <coughs> she continues. After one year of engagement, my fiancé and I, we wish to get married. We want a small, quiet ceremony. Our families want a big, noisy, traditional wedding. 
we don't see the point in spending so much money on just one day. We are not flashy people and certainly not traditional or old fashioned, but our families are putting so much pressure on us. I don't want to keep arguing, but I don't want to give in. How should we handle this? Almara, mi amor, you and your fiance are the ones getting married. You are under no obligation to cave into pressure. This is a very important day for you both. It might well be the most important day of your lives. A day you will look back on for the rest of your lives and you certainly don't want to look back on it with regret. There's no need to argue with your families. Just tell them to stop bullying you because that's what they're doing. They are bullying you. You've told them what you want and they're still putting pressure on you. That is emotional blackmail. And quite frankly, how dare they tell you how to plan your special day? If they don't agree with your choice, tell them they don't have to attend. End of story. It's your wedding, babe. Your choice. Be gracious, but be firm. And if they don't back off, I would tell them that you will have the wedding in another town and won't disclose the location. People, gosh, are so attached to traditions. I mean, some traditions are worth keeping, but ostentatious weddings, they're just not one of them. What a waste of money, really. You could buy a house with some of that money. I've been to South American weddings. Believe me, they are no small affair. No, Almara, and your, um, your chap's name is Roberto, right? Yes, it is. Be trailblazers. Be trailblazers. I can't talk today, and I'm going to tell you, it is absolutely not the cocktail. I haven't had enough. It must be the CERN colliding thing that happened yesterday. Be trailblazers. Be pioneers of change in your community. Darlings, stick to your guns. Smile and say no. And I wish you and Roberto every happiness. And please send me a photograph of your small, quiet wedding. I'd love to see it. All right. Let's, I think that deserves a little kazoo. <laughs> All right, good for them. Let's shake up the fishbowl and see what else is in here. It has been a very crazy week. Uh, people are feeling all sorts of strange emotions, uh, stranger than usual, and God knows people who write into the show <laughs> have some pretty weird shit going on in their lives. Um, what have we got here? Ah, oh, yes. This is, oh, get this, get this. This is from Donaldo Maximus Trumpus, and I'm sure that's your real name. And Donaldo says... Ani, I just read the latest message from messages from Matthew. What should we do when the military hit the streets? Do we go out and cheer for them? Do we take them lemonade and cookies? <clears throat> oh, dear. Um, oh, yes. And he writes a lot of other stuff that I am not going to share over the airwaves because this language is ever so colorful. Um, all right, uh, let me get to the pertinent bits here, Donaldo. Okay, Donaldo, when the uniforms hit the streets, first and foremost, remember they are there for the safety of the citizenry. My advice is to go indoors, lock your doors, and do not open them to anyone until the fat lady sings and the corrupt politicians swing. There has to be a reason to deploy them without making it look like a coup. And I know Texas and Florida, God bless both those states, are making noise about, you know, the invasion of illegals crossing the border and all of that, um, which is true. So look out for that sort of thing because it will get noisier every day. You know, they can't just deploy the military without a good reason. Um, but without doubt, the bad guys will use this as an opportunity to stage their own fake event. Now, they are aware, the bad guys, the cabal, the Illuminati, the deep state players, they are aware they are losing this war. But the ones at the top of the Luciferian food chain, well, they have no option but to see it through to the bitter end. And bitter it will be for them not for us. 
They are terrified of their off-world controllers, and with good reason. I've come into contact with some of their shamans, and woohoo, let me tell you, I don't scare easy, but my blood ran cold. Um, it would be better for some of these people to break ranks and give themselves up to the light. I mean, they will be, of course, tried and executed, um, because that is the only way to stop evil at this level, at our current level of awareness. But they won't do that. Um, they just will pull out all the stops and use whatever technology they have at their disposal. Uh, and I don't discount holograms because, you know, boy, we've seen some of those, haven't we? Like at the Olympics and other events, they look so real. So be warned. They could stage a fake alien as in extraterrestrial invasion. Um, or who knows what they'll come up with. A mutant killer dolphins with potatoes on their heads that are really radioactive and squirt sour cream poison at you. I have no idea. But I assure you, it will be fake because our space family, God bless them, will not allow such an attack. Not at such a time of Earth's awakening. Now, Donaldo, um, Trumpus Maximus, as for getting the troops lemonade, how very thoughtful, how very old-fashioned and how very small-town America. Um, but I'm pretty sure they will politely decline, lest it be poisoned. Because, you know, not everyone knows what's going on, and many people see a uniform and go, establishment minion. Uh, and for the most part, they would not be wrong. Now, not everyone will see troops marching toward their neighborhood. I imagine it will be in densely populated urban areas, and areas where you know, certain structures of importance are. I doubt we will see much activity in rural areas or sparsely populated suburban areas. The best advice I can give is if you don't have a battery operated or hand crank radio in your home, this would be a good time to get one while you still can. Because at some point, the grid, such as it is, will go down. And no one how, you know, no one has any idea really how long for, will it be intermittent? And in these times of uncertainty, a working radio can be a source of comfort. Um, just go home, shut the door and stay there. Let's take another missive. And this is from Rainier in Wisconsin, who asks, what would you say to people who believe the Bible is inerrant? Hmm. Well, Rainier, I wouldn't say anything because they've already made up their minds and why burst their fragile little bubble? Uh, I mean, why would I say anything? Debate is only possible between open minds. So I guess if someone came up to me and declared, Arnie, the Bible is inerrant, uh, <laughs> um, I would shrug my shoulders express mild surprise at such a quaint notion, uh, smile and walk away, and that would be the end of it, because I have better things to do in my life, um, like having this wonderful cocktail, which I will sip right now. Mm, definitely growing on me. That could be a keeper. All right, let's have another one. And this is from Omit Personal Details, who says, oh, I remember this one. Dearest Arnie, a good friend has struggled for years with drug addiction. It got so bad, we almost gave up on him. We were one hair away from shunning him completely. During his last rehab, he found Jesus and is now drug-free. We all rejoiced with him, of course, but he still has addiction problems. Instead of drugs, he is now addicted to Jesus and not in a good way. He sings songs to Jesus all day long. He praises Jesus for every little thing in his life, for his morning coffee, for his morning bowel movement, for his feet, for his legs, for his hands, for his nose, for his rectum, for his food. You get the picture. Everything is in Jesus' name. And I have to say, if I'm honest, it was easier when he was on heroin because he was far less annoying. He carries a picture of Jesus with him as a talisman. He talks to it, he cradles it, he sings to it. He even had it, he even had it laminated so he could kiss it and then wipe it clean with Windex. 
He won't do anything until Jesus is there. Ugh, we don't know where to go with this. We want to be supportive, but it seems to me he has just replaced one addiction with another. And we find ourselves one, once again on the verge of excluding him. Do you have any advice? Hmm. Well, dear Omit, I have to say, uh, this is not the first time I have heard such a story. And yes, you are correct. He has replaced one addiction with another. Now, we could say that Jesus is certainly more wholesome than heroin. But the core issue, his dependence on something outside himself for happiness, well, that has not been addressed. So you've written here, your friend is 27 and he was 17 when he became hooked on drugs and he's sort of done um, what you call sofa surfing for those 10 years, sleeping where he can and all of that. Um, so he was a heroin addict for 10 years before he switched over to Jesus, saving 20%. Now, that's an entire decade doing drugs and addling the brain. So, this is not an easy fix. It will require patience and great skill to bring him back to sanity. And there are too many complexities for me to address it on this podcast. It all goes back to, to thine own self be true, doesn't it? Again, we're back to this thing of understanding how to remove the ego and its needs from the personality. How to step into self-worth how to step into self-respect. Ironically, exactly what the real Jesus tried to teach us. But as we know, his story, as told in the Bible, is a load of bumpy-wumpy. You know, Jesus taught direct union with the divine, free from dictatorial dogma. If your friend could meet the real Jesus and not the textbook version, he might get the real story. For all his rehab, his mind is still very fragile, and fragile minds need skilled counselling. In your letter, you haven't mentioned anything about his family. Do you know them? Do you have a relationship with them? Is it a good relationship with them? Because, you know, my love, it does take a village. And I'm not sure I can offer any constructive counsel without the full picture. So feel free to write to me again privately with the bigger with the bigger picture, and I will offer what help I can. So much pain in this world. Lord, another email, another email. Yes, and this is from Lucy in Largo, not Fargo, but Largo in Florida. And Lucy says, hello, Annie. I would like to ask if cloning is still happening. Is Biden a clone? Is Clinton a clone? How many clones are out there? Lucy from Largo, the bad guys, they've lost access to their cloning stations. So most of what you see now are doubles. And if you look carefully, you will pick up on the differences between the original and the replacement. Some of them are, are really quite obvious. Clinton and Biden are two of the most obvious. Gates, too. So instead of all of this cloning that they did, um, plastic surgery has been used um, in some cases. Uh, for example, the new Putin, who replaced my hero, the original murdered Putin. Um, but you'd be surprised at how advanced, how sophisticated some of the makeup, the rubber masks, etc., are nowadays. For those out there who think cloning is a fantasy, think again. Back in the day, we would see weary, worn out heads of state go on retreat to somewhere like Camp David in the USA or Checkers in the UK. And after just a few days, they emerged younger, slimmer, fitter, healthier and happier. And no spa on earth can turn a human's health around that quickly. So let's not be naive. There's so much yet to be disclosed, and the hats are divided on disclosure. Some believe we should put it all on the table and let people deal with it, ready or not. A huge part, huge part of me is with that faction. Others believe humans will quite literally not be able to handle it. 
and that hundreds of millions of collapsed psyches would be unmanageable. That it would create another type of zombie apocalypse, something we're committed to preventing if possible. So, you know, I understand that's a legitimate concern. Either way, there will be millions of entrenched egos refusing to accept the mountains of unimpeachable evidence which will flood the world once we clean up the minions in the corrupt media. And there's no point in pretending it's going to be neat and tidy. It's going to be a poop fest, people. So put your wellies on and keep the soap handy. So Lucy, have a close look at those people going forward. I think you'll you'll know which ones the doubles are, especially as some of these people actually are dead. So anyway, moving on, do we have time for one more question from the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity? I think we do, maybe just one, one quick one. Shaky, shaky. And this is from Gregory from Boston. Oh, Gregory, I think we've heard from you before. Gregory asks, my question pertains to extraterrestrial etiquette. Okay. When meeting an off-world being for the first time, what is the correct form of address? <laughs> what is the correct form of address for meeting an ET for the first time? This is actually a very sensible question. Although I suspect you had a couple of beers before you wrote it. Well, Gregory, I don't think they are too fussy about that sort of thing. How about saying something like, hello, welcome to Boston. My name is Gregory. How should I address you? And if all goes well, you should continue with something like, would you like to join me for a slice of Boston cream pie? Or perhaps a pint of Sam Adams' most excellent ale? Just play it by ear. They are friendly and they are fully aware that we are in awe of them. So in my experience, they have been trained to be super friendly and super casual. And by the by, they do eat food and they do drink beer. Now their bodies are lighter than ours, as in they are filled with light. And some of them are almost 10 foot tall. Um, so their food is not quite like ours. But let's not miss the obvious. They are physical beings. They wouldn't need spaceships if they weren't physical. So treat them as you would any other humanoid worthy of your respect. And I just just have to add here, now that we are all feeling the shift towards disclosure of all things, and we feel there is an end in sight for the darkness that we have allowed ourselves to be held captive by for so long, isn't it exciting to entertain the prospect of meeting our off-world family live, in person, face to face? Isn't it exciting to think that in our lifetime, we could see the first extraterrestrial embassies on this planet, that we would be allowed to go up on the ships. I just, I'm so excited by that. I mean, every nanocell of my being just tingles in anticipation. I know it's difficult for them to come down in their proper forms right now because we are still too dense. And right now it is a poop fest. I mean, right now, billions of thoughts and people waking up and then going back to sleep. And it's just, it's, it's probably like what, what happened in the CERN Collider yesterday. It's just crazy. But once there is full disclosure, once people come to terms with things, I think, you know, I'm 63. I'm pretty sure I'm going to see that in my lifetime. I just, I tingle, my darlings. I tingle. All right. Okay. Back to, back to the show. Thanks to everyone who wrote in today. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. And to be honest, we wouldn't have much of a show if you didn't write in, would we? So keep them coming and let's grow our community of martini heads. And let me have a little drink in your honor. Huzzah to you all. I salute you. It takes a great deal of courage in today's ridiculous world to stick to your core moral principles and to speak your truth without compromise. Everybody pat yourselves on the back right now. Patty, patty, patty. Well done. And now, my darlings, what is it time for? <gasps> it's time for tarot. A go, go. 
a little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. <laughs> and today's card is the Ten of Wands, or some call it staves. Some even call it big sticks. So let's pick up this bad boy and see what wisdom he wishes to impart. I'm still using the Robin Wood deck. Why change, you know? Ah, what do I have here in front of me? Mm hmm. Aha. Well, I have the card, obviously. That's what I'm looking at. I see a grown man carrying a bundle of ten staves. And he's really put his back into it, as they say, because he's leaning forward on the path, determined to reach his destination. He doesn't appear to be overburdened, not initially, but he is carrying enough weight to require complete focus. So this card is traditionally referred to as the weight of ambition card or the burdens of success card. And he is, I mean, carrying a heavy load for sure. And as with all cards, there are so many ways of looking at it. Has he taken all he needs and is now determined to take it to a safe place? Has he gathered up his thoughts? And is he taking them somewhere for reflection and evaluation? Perhaps he has accepted responsibility for his actions and is learning to manage them in a functional manner. You know, for all I know, perhaps he's just gathering firewood to burn up. Perhaps he's taken on a project and that project is a little bit more demanding than expected. Or it could be that he's one of those obsessive personalities who refuse to make life easy and they won't delegate to other people. Stubborn pride might be at play here. And if this is a health reading, <clears throat> this could be spinal issues, back issues, muscular skeletal issues. What else is this card telling me? Perhaps he's taken on more than he can safely handle. And he's wondering if he'll be able to make it to the finishing line. He doesn't appear to be totally struggling, but he's really focused. But I do feel he has the energy to make it to the end. Now, how it will affect his body and his mind is another matter, you know. I'm, I'm reminded of that marathon runner in ancient Greece. What was his name? Um... Pheidippides, I think it was called. Pheidippides. Um, yes, he was an Athenian herald, you know, a courier, a professional courier. Um, what do they call them? Homerodromes, I think. It, it means the one who keeps running. Anyway, not important because this chap, he was sent to Sparta to request help when the Persians landed in Greece and they landed in Marathon. So they say he ran 150 miles in two days, then ran back. Then he ran another 25 miles to the battlefield near Marathon and then back to Athens to announce the Greek victory over Persia. And he said, we won. Hail, we are the winners. And then he collapsed and died. So don't do that. Um, if you pick this card and find you are at the point of extreme exhaustion, do yourself a favor and take a break. Because you see, darlings, dying really ruins the buzz of winning. I find this card comes up when people are focused only on their work. In a very unhealthy way. So don't let career ambition distract you from the important things in life. Americans, I find, spend far too much time at work compared to the Brits or Europeans. You know, we work to live. We don't live to work. Let's take the chance here to turn this card over into the reverse position or the challenge position. And let's see how it feels to us. Mm. Well, initial impression, it feels good. I feel the burden has been lifted. Huzzah! <laughs> um, well, if the burden's been lifted, now we can focus on other aspects of our life. That's what I feel. Now, that said, 
The reverse position could also have a more challenging connotation. It could mean you are totally out of control. You might have been led astray, or perhaps you are the one who is less than honest in your dealings with others. And now the whole thing's just, oh, out of control. Perhaps you're a control freak, a micromanager, and no one likes those. Perhaps you've messed things up royally and now you're running away, blaming others, hoping you won't get caught. I have feelings of manipulation here. Darlings, always trust your intuition. If you feel someone is blowing smoke up your bottom, don't sign on the dotted line. The world is filled with regretful people all crying because they went against their gut instinct. So I'll turn him back around and I will wish him on his merry way down that path. Who knows where he's going? Um, in some of the decks, you will find that there's a house somewhere. You presume the house is a destination, but on this deck, there's no house. So I have no idea where he's going, but good luck to him. If you want to study tarot as part of your consciousness expansion, and you want to have oodles of fun doing it, visit my website, arniabedissian.com, and sign up for my Tarot A GoGo -Go program. You get 12 sessions with me for a mere $499, which, if I say so myself, is a jolly good deal. And you know, darlings, it's me. So it's super chill and lots of laughs. So check out the website and, you know, give me a call if you're interested. And while you're on the website, check out my upcoming Cosmic Conversations. On July 30th, we are doing Mass Formation Hypnosis. There's going to be no Cosmic Conversation in August because I will be on retreat with my homies. And September, we are going to do Ascended Masters. Are they divine spellcasters or fraudsters? We're doing something um, in October too, of course, but I just can't remember what it is. And when I remember, um, I will put it up on the website. <laughs> so, and now my darlings, it's time for a tiny pat of poetry. This is where I usually share my original compositions, but this week, because I love you so much, I'll do you all a favor and choose another author. And I'm going to choose one of my favorite nonsense authors, and that is Edward Lear, who had a pretty miserable childhood because no one paid any attention to him. Oh, poor Edward, God rest your soul. All right, I'm gonna have a sip of my drink. And I'm going to share with you, for your amusement, the dong with a luminous nose. Here we go. When awful darkness and silence reign, over the great Grombulian plain, through the long, long wintry nights, when the angry breakers roar as they beat on the rocky shore, when storm clouds brood on the towering heights of the hills of the Chankly Bore, then through the vast and gloomy dark, there moves what seems a fiery spark, a lonely spark with silver rays piercing the cold black night, a meteor strange and bright, Hither and thither the vision strays, a single lurid light. Slowly it wanders, pauses, creeps, anon it sparkles, flashes, leaps, and ever as onward it gleaming goes, a light on the bong tree stem it throws. And those who watch at that midnight hour, from hall or terrace or lofty tower, cry as the wild light passes along, the dong, the dong, the wandering dong through the forest goes, the dong, the dong, oh my god, it's the dong with a luminous nose. Long years ago, the dong was happy and gay, but presumably not pronoun confused, till he fell in love with a jumbly girl who came to those shores one day. For the jumblies came in a sieve they did, landing at eve near the zemery fid, where the oblong oysters grow, and the rocks are smooth and grey, and all the woods and the valleys rang with the chorus they daily and nightly sang. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. 
happily, happily passed those days while the cheerful jumbly stayed. They danced in circlets all night long to the plaintive pipe of the lively dong in moonlight shine or shade. For day and night he was always there by the side of the jumbly girl so fair, with her sky-blue hands and her sea-green hair, till the morning came of that hateful day when the jumblies sailed in their sieve away, and the dong was left on the cruel shore, gazing, gazing for evermore, ever keeping his weary eyes on that pea-green sail on the far horizon, singing the jumbly chorus still, as he sat all day on that grassy hill. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Ooh, the heads are green and the hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. Ha! Ah! But when the sun was low in the west, the dong arose and said, What little sense I once possessed has quite gone out of my head. And since that day he wanders still, by lake and forest, marsh and hill, singing, oh, somewhere in valley or plain, might I find my jumbly girl again. Forever I'll seek by lake and shore, till I find my jumbly girl once more. Playing a pipe with silvery squeaks, and since then his jumbly girl he seeks, and because by night he could not see, he gathered the bark of the twangum tree on the flowery plain that grows, and he wove him a wondrous nose, a nose as strange as a nose could be, of vast proportions and painted red, and tied with cords to the back of his head, in a hollow rounded space it ended, with a luminous lamp within suspended, all fenced about with a bandage stout to prevent the wind from blowing it out, and with holes all around to send the light in gleaming rays of that dismal night. And now each night and all night long, over those plains still roams the dong, and above the wail of the chimp and snipe, you may hear the squeak of his plaintive pipe. while ever he seeks but seeks in vain to meet with his jumbly girl again lonely and wild all night he goes the don with a luminous nose and all who watch at the midnight hour from hall or terrace or lofty tower cry as they trace the meteor bright moving along the dreary night this is the hour when forth he goes the don with a luminous nose Yonder, over the plain he goes, he goes, there he goes, bye-bye the dong with a luminous nose. Well, my darling, I think that is a very fitting almost end to the show because it just can't get any sillier than that. Um, I think that's it for today, almost. I have finished my drink. Oh, no, I haven't. There's a drop. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, mm. oh. Oh, that was a large sip to take all in one, but I'm up for it. All right. When I finish my drink, it always means the end of the show. So I do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I recording it, because I had a blast. I always do. And I thank you from the heart of my bottom for joining me today. Today's real life cocktail was rescued by me from the basement of obscurity. And it's called the Hotel Bristol Special. And this cocktail was first published in Chicago in 1937, and it was a chic signature cocktail of the Bristol Hotel in New York. And here is how you make it. One ounce Cointreau, one ounce a peach brandy, and champagne for topping up. So, combine all the ingredients over ice in a chilled wine glass, stir briefly, garnish with an orange twist, and drink it, and it's very nice indeed and quite sophisticated. Now remember folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I am Ani, Mad Shaman Avidician. This was a Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio to whom we are most grateful. Mwah, mwah, mwah. 
Until we meet again, be invincible, never compromise your core moral principles, and above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Annie Alpatisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for our huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest shungite collections available.